In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is the camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome into the camp. I'm Zach Heilprin. No Jesse Temple. He's going to be back with me in a little bit as uh, we get closer to football season. But this week, we're continuing our position previews and also getting to know some of the members of the Wisconsin football beat a little bit better. Uh, we were with uh, Jake Kokorowski and Colton Bartholomew last week. This week, we're going to start with Mike Hogan from 24-7 Sports. He is, uh, I don't, is it fair to say relatively new, Mike? I mean, it's, I mean, this is going to be what, season number two for you on the beat or three? Two. two. Uh, yeah, so I'm still, I guess I, I still, I'm still relatively new. I still feel new, so. <laughs> I think you're right on that. <laughs> yeah. So obviously uh, with 24 seven sports, I, you know, I know you, where you went to school. I know the NFL team that you're a fan of, but I, I don't know a ton more about you. And so I'm, I'm kind of excited to be here as well in learning more about you as, as uh, the listeners are too. I assume you grew up in the New York area uh, just based on your love okay. of the Buffalo bills. So actually, so my parents grew up out there. Okay. Uh, out in the Western New York upstate area. I was born in Milwaukee. Oh, all right. Um, so my Buffalo ties and, and the Western New York ties come from my family. Everybody still lives out that way on the East coast. Uh, I grew up out here, uh, surprisingly <laughs> to some, um, but I would visit there all the time when I was little. Uh, and obviously I went to school out there at St. Bonaventure, which is about an hour and a half South of, Buffalo. So, uh, yeah, so I, I, I spent part of my life out there. Um, well, more than part of it, um, considering all the, the trips <laughs> I took out there, but, um, yeah, so I grew up here, so I'm no stranger to Wisconsin. So, uh, that was nice to come back here after college and, and to get a job here and to cover a team that, you know, I, I didn't grow up, you know, a Badger fan. I really didn't have a, college football team. I watched a lot of college football. I obviously knew a lot about the Badgers program and everything just from being around uh, Wisconsin fans growing up, but uh, it's been fun to cover uh, teams for, uh, for passionate fans or some of the passion, most passionate fans in the country. So where did exactly in Milwaukee did you grow up? Where'd you go to school? So I say Milwaukee, I probably should have specified but Grafton, so okay. uh, home of the, the Benchall family, yes. big, uh, big uh, Wisconsin football program ties. Now, uh, I, I went to high school with Luke and Bo. Bo was a senior, I think, when I was a freshman. I remember walking past him in the hallways and looking up at him. And, oh, my God, this guy. <laughs> See, <laughs> funny thing is, though, he didn't he committed, I think, to like Syracuse at first, like a tight end or something like that. And then, you know, he got like a late offer or he, he switched late to. Wisconsin. It was so, so it was cool to see him kind of go off and have a good career. Then Luke was a year older than me, I think. And he, uh, uh, my brother knew him better than I did, but, uh, yeah. So, and then, and then JP, the younger one, I didn't interact much with him, but he, he looks like he's the, 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 the biggest one of them all, uh, just, just, uh, kind of seeing him at, at some of those practices. So yeah, I'm from Grafton, went to Grafton high school, um, uh, some Milwaukee area. Yeah. Um, some listeners will will know where Grafton is. I think I think a lot of people will. I certainly do. I actually uh, grew up in Delafield, and whenever I would tell people where I was from, it's like oh the Milwaukee area. Yeah, <laughs> because like it's just like it's easier than right. to to do than yeah. <laughs> for that to happen, right? So I was yeah. I lived in Delafield for the first thirteen or fourteen years of my life, and then moved to Middleton, uh, which is where I claim to be from now. But when you're in Florida or you're in California, wherever you're at, you're like, not from Milwaukee. I'm from Milwaukee. It all, it all works out. But yeah, Grafton, exactly. Bo committed to Syracuse uh, because Gary Anderson slow played him like he did a lot of yeah. lot, a lot of state kids, uh, Alec Ingold, Zach Bond. Like there were a lot of guys that turned out to be really, really good players that uh, Gary Anderson just just slow played and right. uh, <laughs> did not treat did not treat the in-state players extremely well, like in terms of you know, wanting them to show, showing them the same love that maybe some of the other eras of the program did. 
especially yeah. obviously under Brett Bielema and Paul Christ and, and Barry Alvarez. But uh, that is a that is that is quite the group there at, at Grafton, though. Yeah, no, it's 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 quite the group, and I, I agree with your point though. When you're out of state, because I, I got into that habit in college when, you know, when when you'd be sitting in there in the first day of class and you go around, everybody introduces themselves where they're from. Uh, I was obviously the only one <laughs> at St. Bon, a little little St. Bonaventure nestled in in the in the in the hills of Western New York that was from who was from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I would always say Milwaukee because I didn't want to get into this whole thing with the professor. Hey, where's, where's Grafton? No, right. go Milwaukee. <laughs> yep. No, so much easier, so much easier. So at Grafton, did you play football? Did you play any sports? No. So I, I, uh, I played baseball. I played baseball four years. Varsity. We'll get into, we'll get into that swing. I, we, I was talking with Jake last week about <laughs> you guys' trip to the softball. Oh, God softball yeah. venue but uh go sorry go ahead i didn't mean to interrupt you yeah so i well freshman year i played basketball uh didn't like it uh didn't i liked basketball but i just didn't like i didn't see myself as somebody who could play varsity level played baseball my dad played in college uh at the time lemoyne uh school in syracuse newark was division one he played with two professional uh pitchers jim deshays who is currently the color commentator for the Chicago Cubs on Marquee Network, and then Tom Browning, who threw a no-hitter for the Cincinnati Reds in the 80s or 90s, something like that. So I grew up loving baseball, played that four years. But for football games, I would usually find a way to do, like, sideline reports just for my own, for nobody. I would just do okay. it. You know, I was I already knew at a young age I wanted to go into the media and, and – um, I would do that kind of thing just for fun. I would, I would interview the coach and the players and stuff like that, just to kind of get started back then. I wanted to go into TV, but right. since I've, I've, I've found more uh, joy in, in writing, but that was kind of what I did for football games and I never got to interview Bo. Uh, I wish I wish I would have taken a chance uh, and done something like that, but no, for basketball and football games, I would do broadcasting and, and reporting and stuff like that just to kind of, get involved. My brother was a team manager for the, I'm a triplet, by the way, that's probably something oh. I should put out there. Yes. That's, that is something you <laughs> should put out fact, there. A fun fact, my brother. Yeah. He, he was like a team manager for the basketball team. So he would be on the sidelines on the bench and I would be up in the, up in the, uh, the, the, the camera balcony broadcasting the game just for my own YouTube page. I, I don't think it's up. Videos are up anymore. I hope not, but, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that's what I would do uh, in addition to focusing on <clears throat> on baseball. And, uh, yeah, I uh, obviously um, you've seen my, my swing. I've since lost a lot of my athletic ability from the past. <laughs> I mean, you say you've lost it from the past. How old are you, like 22, 23, well, 24? 23, but actually, well, this summer, that wasn't the first time. Well, that was the first time in a long time I picked up a baseball bat. But ever since then, I've, I've been added to a Madison Recreation League uh, softball team. Uh, okay. The beer league. Got to have the beer involved. Or else that's the only reason. That's the only reason to play yeah. softball. Yeah. So, yeah. So I guess my swing now looks better than it did that day. But I was very sore after that. It was it was a while since I was in that swing emotion. And uh, yeah, I was that uh, was humbling, humbling day. <laughs> admit softball. To hey, complex. you. You looked better than Jake. I'm going to say that. And I, I, I told him that, that the last week, uh, teacher's own. I, I am one, if I were up there, here's the thing. If you look good doing it, video it. If you don't look good doing it, don't video it. Or if you just look horrible doing it, then you video it because it, right. It'll get you, it'll get you some laughs. It'll get you some clicks. Yeah. It'll like, you know, it'll get people engaging. They'll make fun of you. So like you got to either be great at it or horrible at right. it. You can't be right. in the middle. No, you can't be in the middle. And and I I went to that. It was uh it, must, it was probably so, it was so for anybody that, that missed it last week, uh Jake and Mike and some other members of the media, right before the softball team, the women's softball team went to the NCAA tournament, they invited him down and they went through batting practice or a home run derby. Uh <laughs> nobody hit a home run. <laughs> no one did. That's 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 a problem. Uh they all tied they all tied for the win or they all tied for the loss. I don't know yeah, which, which whatever you want to pick. But uh, so in case you guys missed that from last week's conversation with Jake, that's what Mike's talking about. 
but uh, yeah, yeah, we went there for interviews to interview the coach and some of the players. And she was the week before too. She'd mentioned something about me getting out there to pitch batting practice to their best hitter, Kayla Khan went. And I said, I don't know about that. I, <laughs> you're going to have to put the L screen in front of me. I don't want to get injured or anything, but then the next week she's, she's talking about doing a home run derby. Uh, and obviously I was going to leave and just sneak out the back door and Irish goodbye, everybody. <laughs> and, not, and not do it. But I said, you know, God, if Jake's doing it, I got to do it. I got to right. do it. So he did it and he got in there and then I got in there and then Zach and, and Pablo, two television sports reporters in town were also there. And yeah, it was, uh, <clears throat> I would say out of all of them, I would agree that I, my swing probably looked better than everybody else, not bragging or anything, <laughs> <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, no, I, I still didn't make, a lot of solid contact. <laughs> yeah. So going back to this triplets thing, like maybe I need to insert a question in these, in these interviews. What's the one unique thing uh, uh, that no one knows about you that like, like I didn't know that. And I doubt pretty much anybody else in Madison probably knew that. Uh, yeah. What was it like growing up? Is it exact? Like you guys look exactly alike? No, no. Yeah. We, well, there's some, you know, my, People say that that I or my brother and sister look alike, but I I don't look anything like either of them. So okay, yeah, we're different. So not exact then. We're we're not exact. No, we identical. Um, no, we're not identical. So that's good. That that was helpful on the teachers. Um, yeah. But sometimes you know it'd be funny, like you know, once in a while somebody would call me Ryan, my brother's name. Obviously, no one was calling my my sister's name's Aaron, by the way. Um, and uh, so that that would kind of be frustrating sometimes but it was fun it was fun we 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 all had we all had different interests growing up um my brother and I were obviously both involved with sports but he was I would say more of outgoing than I was at a young age maybe more uh, he wasn't a class clown or anything but he was uh always at the center of the the spotlight wherever it was he was there my sister <clears throat> she went into she's she's into music and and uh you know uh, she played a lot of instruments. She played the piano. She, uh, she's, she's done phenomenal things as a, as a musician and as a singer. So that's what she kind of went to college for. Um, <clears throat> we all had, like I said, we all had our own interests. We, we kind of had the same friend group a little bit. Um, Grafton's not that big of a town anyway to, to have two or everybody to have their own big friend group. So we kind of all had the same friends. Um, obviously my sister kind of <clears throat> went off and, and did her own thing there, but, um, yeah, no, it was fun. It was, it was, it was awesome. And, and, um, you know, sometimes it would, it would get competitive sometimes between my brother and I, a couple fights here and there in the front yard, uh, playing pickup basketball, whatnot. But, um, and then, and then I, I will say though, it was, it was nice, you know, cause I, I think for, for when you're growing up with, with, as a triplet, you, you kind of get, everybody identifies you as that, you know, you're the Hogan, you're Hogan triplet. You're, you know, it was nice to go off to college and kind of, just to be Mike, you know, not, not, uh, not a Hogan triple. Of course, everybody, when I tell them when I'm, I'm a triplet, they're fascinated by it. Cause it's, it's really rare. You know, it's, it's not something you, you, you don't meet a triplet every day, No, but, uh, yeah, it was nice in college. I'll say to kind of to branch off a little bit. Um, and obviously we still keep in touch. Uh, you know, we're very close. My brother, he's in New York. He switched places with me. <laughs> uh, out there and then my sister she went to school well my brother went to uw whitewater so he was just down the road here uh from madison he would come up here all the time to to visit uh our friends and stuff my sister went to depaul now she's studying um he, she's studying music now at boston for her master's so boston university so we're all over the place uh, my parents are happy i came back here so they don't I have bet. to travel too far to see me yeah. But uh, yeah, so it was it was cool. It was always cool. It's always cool to tell people I'm a triplet. It's something that, like I said, it's rare. It's always a good icebreaker, too. I always have a good way to to start a conversation with somebody when maybe there's there's not a lot in common or, or whatever. It's always just something to <laughs> to keep yeah. in the back pocket, I guess. Um, all right. So St. Bonaventure, how do you end up there? Uh, because it is a little bit of a small school. Obviously, its most famous alum would be would be Adrian Wojnarowski. Would yeah. He be, would he be the most famous alum for, for yeah. St. Bonaventure? 
Yeah, I would say so. Uh, if, if he, if not the, well, the, the Delta CEO Ed Bastian is from St. Bonaventure. And everybody knows that name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess, I guess, you know, it depends on, on which group of Bonaventure alumni you're talking to, but I, I would say, Woj absolutely. Um, on a national level, certainly the, the most famous uh, alum. There's been a lot of great journalism alums that have come out of there. Um, Mike Vaccaro from the New York Post. He's a columnist. He, uh, he's, he graduated from there. Tim Bontemps, actually, also an ESPN guy, uh, went to St. Bonaventure. So, yeah, there's been quite a few uh, sports journalism uh, giants who've come out of there. But how I got there, uh, well, at first, you know, I was kind of looking at, uh, you know, Whitewater and Marquette and all these different schools here in this area, Bradley down in Illinois. Uh, and then I went to some family function out that way, or actually might've been in Chicago because my cousin was getting married that year. And there was a kind of a gathering down there for the engagement party or something. I don't know. And uh, a couple of my family members who graduated from St. Bonaventure suggested I apply because they knew I wanted to go into journalism and they, they were kind of telling me about some of the graduates and stuff and the programs they had out there. So I, I said, okay, I'll, I'll apply. I'll, I mean, obviously I've heard of St. Bonaventure before. Uh, my dad grew up going to basketball games when, when uh, they had Bob Lanier on the team uh, in the seventies when they were going to the final four and stuff like that. So I applied, I visited, and then I was like, okay, yeah, this is where I need to be. Uh, they sold me on, on just the, you know, making connections. It's a really small school. So obviously you have more chances to connect with alum alums and, and to, to network with them. And I, I got to do a lot of that. I got to meet Woj a couple of times. Um, I got to meet all those guys <clears throat> in person and to, to network with them. So that was cool. And I got a lot of great opportunities out of it. You know, I got to work for a couple different student newspapers. I got to do some broadcasting. When I got to college, I actually didn't really know. I knew I obviously wanted to go into media, um, especially, you know, focusing on sports, but I, I didn't limit myself to that. I kind of tried a lot of different things. I, I did politics, which wasn't my, obviously I, I didn't enjoy that too much, but I tried it. I covered COVID in March, 2020, because that was pretty much the only thing you could talk about or write about. Lucky so I did you. a lot of that. I did, I did a lot of that. And then, uh, I just did a lot of news crime. I, I went to some scenes of, of uh, crimes and did something. But then I, I finally figured out that, okay, I tried everything. Uh, nothing compares to, to sports. So I, I settled on that. And I got to cover the basketball team, uh, the Division One basketball team there. Uh, they made the tournament, NCAA tournament twice. So I got that experience to cover those teams. Um, you know, I got a lot of great experiences. I got to go to a lot of different places and I traveled a lot to cover them. So I got a good experience, um, you know, kind of, um, working a beat when I was, when I was there, I covered high school as well for the local paper in town. So I, I got, I, I learned how fun and brutal that could be. <laughs> and then, uh, my junior year going into my senior year, uh, well, my internship, I was supposed to work with like a Northwoods League baseball team, Lakeshore Chinooks, yeah. and I was supposed to do their their journalism internship. And it was going to be a really cool opportunity, but that got canceled. And then uh, I got an email from some guy down in Nashville uh, who runs the their Tennessee Titans Sports Illustrated Fan Nation page. And I got to do that for a whole year during COVID. Um, uh, I got to do that uh, with him. He, he used to write David Beauclair. That's his name. He used to write for the Nashville Post, cover sports for them. Went over to the Fan Nation Sports Illustrated Network after that. And yeah, that, that was cool for the whole COVID season in the NFL from offseason camp to just up until I took the job here last June, I was covering an NFL team. So that and all the interviews were over Zoom. Yeah. So it worked out perfectly for me. And it was a tremendous experience and, you know, something that really set me up for for this, this kind of job off on my own, obviously I work with Evan, but I don't have, you know, I have an editor obviously, but I'm not, you know, you're, you're doing, you're doing, you're, you're pretty much marching the beat of your own drum every day. So that, that set me up for, for this. And uh, it was a really cool experience covering that, that Tennessee Titans team. They were pretty good. Uh, I got to go up to Lambeau too. You might've been there that night. I didn't even know who you were. Uh, I was I was not up there. So I, I, uh, 
I went to training camp that year to cover to cover it, and then 2020. I, I felt that there was so little value yeah. in going two games because everything afterwards was on Zoom. Well, everybody got the same thing. Obviously. Yeah, there was there was so little point in going, and it was the year that it, like went to UW home games that year, but didn't go on the road for the first time. Like every other year, I've covered the team, go to every road game. Was not the case that year. Um, so it just, it just didn't make any sense right. to me. Um, so no, I was not there, but I remember that game. Well, it was in the yeah, snow it was and, a the Packers, <laughs> yeah, and the Packers beat the hell out of them. Yeah. But I went up there because I was home for break, Christmas break. And I was like, my, my, uh, David was, was telling me, Hey, you know, if you, if you, if you want, I could get you credentials to go up there. And I know it won't be the same and everything with, with COVID and it'll be very different. And, so I said, you know, I, I got, I, if I got a chance to go cover an NFL game in person, I guess you could say that was in yeah. person. Uh, yeah, you're in, you're in I the was press there, box. I was in box, you know, yeah. that was cool. I got to do that and it was a cool experience. And um, even though the season and the media availability was very different, um, I still say I got a hell of a lot out of that internship and it wouldn't have worked if COVID wasn't you know, if, if COVID didn't change everything, you know, I yeah. wouldn't have been able to maybe, maybe that summer I would have been able to go help them out down in Nashville, live there for a couple months. But I mean, the fact I got to do it for a whole year was really beneficial. Yeah, uh, for sure. And I got to learn from, from somebody who's been covering football for, for years. I got to learn from a sports media veteran and, and it was just great beneficial for me. Yeah. I totally agree with that. I mean, so in my career, I started in news in Beaver Dam, which is small little town. <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm sure people know where Beaver Dam is, but it's about, you know, about eh, like 40 minutes uh, northeast of Madison on the way to Green Bay. And I did news for a long time. Like I didn't have a ton of experience coming out of college, uh, but I did that for a really long time for like the first three and a half years. That's all I did. And then I got this itch for sports and we had a little bit of an, an in because it was the same company uh, with Jason Wildey. And he covers the Packers, obviously, and has covered the Packers since the mid nineties and just one training camp. I think it was 2011. I asked, you know, do you need any help covering training camp? And he said, yeah. And it's just those little things. And it's all of a sudden right. I'm covering every single Packers game, going to training camp, going to, you know, many camps, going to, uh, you know, going up during the week and writing articles and that type of stuff. And those, I did that for two years before I uh, moved down here and, and started covering the Badgers. And those two years are invaluable for, were invaluable for me learning from somebody like that, right. learning how, how to kind of do things, how the sports world works. Like it's just, it's a completely different animal than it is than the news is. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just news is so much more important <laughs> and uh, valuable to society as a whole, but Sports just it has a, just a little bit of a different feel. And exactly. I don't think I would have been able to grow nearly as much if, if I hadn't had those, those two years doing that. And I was still doing news. Like I was still doing news back home. And this was just on top of it, uh, you know, trying to wiggle my way into sports for a, yeah. a living. And it worked out. And yeah. I, I just think it's so valuable. Absolutely. And I will say too, <laughs> I was still taking classes like a full schedule worth of classes while I was covering NFL team, but uh, my grades might've taken a little dip that, that yeah, year, but uh, more importantly, I was, you know, I was, I was just so into it. And, 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 and I, I would say my writing got so much better. I mean, a couple of my professors were reading some of my stuff I was turning into them and like, wow, your writing has gotten so much better since you started doing this. And, it, you know, and it was, it was beneficial to get better, obviously, and to understand how things work, but just to kind of know what kind of stories you can do and how to handle certain situations, how to interview people, you know, early on um, during that, that internship, or if you, if you really want to call it that, I, I like to think it was almost like, I kind of treated it like a full-time job, um, you know, but early on, I didn't ask too many questions in press council, was kind of shy, but, you know, just, just kind of sitting there listening to other people um, was, was beneficial. And, and just, it was, it was a, just seeing how the day-to-day -day works in, in, on a beat and everything yeah. was just, it was eye-opening to me. Cause I, I, obviously, you know, I, I cover the basketball team before that at St. Bonaventure, but that does not compare to a, 
<laughs> a, a, a NFL team. And, and I'd never covered football really before. Um, if you want to count my experience on the sideline in high school, I'm going to count it. I'm counting okay. it. All right. But that was, that was cool because, you know, it, it, it kind of uh, sparked my passion for covering football. And now, you know, I'm doing it for covering the Badgers and every day on the job, you know, I, I think back to some of the things I did covering the Titans that, that were helpful, you know, everything, everything happens for a reason. Actually, it's funny, just a small little side story. How I got this opportunity was, was kind of crazy because it, so in, it must've been 2018, it was 2018, fall 2018. I was a sophomore at the time. I wrote like a column for my student newspaper. And um, for those of you familiar with Google, um, what do they call it? Google alerts. Yeah. Google yeah. alerts. You, you set them up and anytime you, one of your keywords gets mentioned in an article, it'll come up in your email feed. Um, you get like the, the newsletter every morning or something like that. And I mentioned Milwaukee in my, in my column, because I was talking about where I was from or something like that. Can't remember, but anyway. And you're, and you're of course from Milwaukee. Yeah. yeah <laughs> I had to say that. I had to say that. Actually, you know, the column might've been about the Brewers because there was like a weekly column at the student newspaper and I would find a new interesting kind of national perspective to do every week. So I was writing about the MLB, uh, major league baseball, Brewers, whatever. And, uh, I mentioned Milwaukee and it came up in his feed because uh, the Nashville Predators minor league team, Admirals, obviously from Milwaukee. So that came up in his feed somehow and he started reading it and he, and my email was at the bottom of the column. He sent me this long email, David did about how my story and how I got into, you know, he, he started reading more articles of mine and he stumbled upon one about why I got into journalism whatever, why I want to go into sports media. And he, he hit my story reminded me of his, and, you know, we kind of stayed in touch after that. And he saved my email address, um, you know, after, after that encounter, we, and he, and, and right when uh, COVID kind of ruined my plans there, uh, that one summer he, he got a hold of me. So that was, that was awesome that he still thought of me and we're still really good friends. I was honored in DC uh, for winning um, the Hellinger award, which is St. Bonaventure's like, they give it to the top journalism graduate every year. I got that. Uh, funny, funny thing is Woj didn't win it when he was a senior, his wife did. <laughs> his wife did. Nice. Yeah. So I have something on him, <laughs> but, but anyway, uh, he came, David came. It was the first time I met him in person. He came out to DC for that to, to see me this past October. And uh, so that was cool. We're still good friends and I can't thank him enough. And I have to, I have to plug him when I, when I can, that, that, yeah. that story is too cool to, to not include in this, in this podcast about getting to know uh, the other beat writers here. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so you are now at 24 seven sports. I assume that just popped up and you're like, that makes complete sense for me to go, yeah. to go there. Well, I was just starting to, you know, and how did you, and before you do how did you get over the idea that you would have to actually work with Evan um, uh, as well? I'm, I'm kidding, of course, but. So I guess starting with the, with the first part there. Uh, so I was just starting to apply to jobs, you know, toward the end of my senior year, I was just firing off applications pretty much anywhere with a sports opening uh, sports writing opening. And I, I sent a lot to like some really small newspapers that I didn't even hear back from. I was, I was kind of, it was humbling because you, 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 you have a lot of success in college as a student journalist, but then you start applying to jobs and you get rejected like 70, 80, 90 times. I don't even know how many I, I sent out, but I mean, you don't hear back, you get rejected, you get told no. And you're just like, what the hell am I going to do? <laughs> like, what right. the hell am I gonna do? so uh, I, I had, I was, I was starting to get frustrated with it last May or June, whenever it was. Times move so fast and days just kind of blend in together now. But uh, I, I found this one on LinkedIn. Um, just like it was like 11 at night. I don't know what I was doing on my computer looking at for jobs at that hour. Probably should have been uh, asleep. Yeah. But I found this one and I sent an email off and I said, is this still open? Because it oh, is this still, is this job still open? Because it had been up for like you know, a couple of weeks at this point. And they said, yeah, we, we have, we've narrowed our list of candidates, but we're still taking applications. So I, I sent one off and I, I got the job and I was happy. I was really happy because, and actually at that same time, 
I had another opportunity pop up at a newspaper, a Gannett newspaper up in Stevens Point. And that um, that was a tempting uh, option too, just because it was here in Wisconsin. I wouldn't have to move too far. And the editor seemed really cool. I got to talk to like the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel uh, sports editor. Um, so I thought that that was intriguing, but just thinking about it like long-term and, and, and I was ready maybe to do something. I wasn't, I didn't really want to cover high school. I've done, I'd done that in college. Um, obviously still a really beneficial route to go in. Um, I think you can learn a lot covering high school. I certainly did um, in college, but I was just ready after covering the Titans and, and doing covering the basketball team, basically just working at it full time for two years. I was like, okay, I'm ready to go on to something similar to what I, w- I was just doing. And that was kind of how I, I sold myself to 24 yeah. seven folks like, Hey, I've been doing this. Like I can do this. Um, here's, and I sent them some of my work and they, um, they liked it. They, you know, I liked what they saw obviously. And they brought me along and, you know, obviously I, you know, I had to work, I have to work with Evan, you know, <laughs> but uh, no, he's been, he's been cool. And um, you know, it's been, it's been good. He uh, he's our main recruiting guy. And I think I've taken some, some pressure off of him maybe. Um, focusing on more of the team focused stuff and he can do his thing on the recruiting trail. It's what he's, um, what he's known for around here. Um, every, every time, every time somebody says, Oh, you work with Evan, he's a, he's a recruiting guy. I said, yeah, <laughs> yeah he is. But uh, yeah, so it's been cool. It's been, it's been great. And yeah, it's been a, it's been the first year went by really fast. I think it's an interesting position that you're in because the people that you deal with or you, you're writing for, for the most part, are people that are paying for your work, right? Yep. Because almost all of the stuff that you write is, is VIP stuff at 24 seven. I mean, there are obviously a few things here and there that you guys put out for free, but dealing with, I feel like sometimes, and this isn't a shot at anybody, but I feel like sometimes people feel like um, owed something in that situation. And there's a lot of people that think uh, everything should be free too. Those, those yeah. people are crazy. But when you're dealing with people that are owed something, does that run in your mind at all when you're writing? that I need to make this perfect. This has to be at a different level because these people are paying for this. Yeah. I mean, I try, I mean, the, it, that was the tough part about like just starting off because like, you know, I, I don't think, I don't think fans understand how difficult it is to do something like to switch beats and to switch to a new team and to a new coaching staff and to new players, getting to know everything about everybody. That's the hardest thing to do it's like going from the small baseball field to the big baseball field. It's a huge adjustment. Um, just getting to know everybody. It takes time to get comfortable on a beat. So early on, I guess, yeah, that was kind of running through my mind. Like, damn, I gotta, and there's a lot of great reporters around here covering this, this team. Uh, you know, there's a lot of talented people. You, you do a podcast with one of them, (laughs) Jesse, who also kind of has his, you know, the athletic, obviously subscription base. Um, but yeah, I mean, early on, that would be, that would kind of run in my mind, but now, you know, I just, I kind of do it things how I know how to do them. I, I know how to write. I know how to tell stories. So uh, now that I'm comfortable and have a better grasp on everything, I've been able to do some better work that I feel better about. And not that I wasn't feeling great about my work, you know, when I first started, um, I was happy with what I was doing then, but now that I have the whole year under my belt and I've gotten to know people and whatever uh, else I, I've, I felt a lot better about my work and just feeling like people are getting what they're paying for and yeah. feeling like people are, are, you know, enjoying it. Um, you know, uh, I feel like, you know, there's, there's a lot of, um, there was, there, there was a lot of pressure early on, but not that, not so much anymore. Now I'm just in a groove. I, you know, I'm comfortable. I, I've been here. I, I, you know, I, I know the team's better and, and that's just been really helpful. Now, now that I have a full year, of adjustment under my belt uh, and, and knowledge under my belt. Like it's definitely a lot easier now to not have voices in your head telling you, you better yeah. make this, <laughs> you know, <Right. laughs> uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm wondering in this first year, have you had any, like I, this will be year 10 for me this fall. I've had plenty of embarrassing moments um, that I'm sure I'll get into as I continue these, these interviews, but have you had any embarrassing moments here? These, this, this first year where like, God, I can't believe I just said that. I can't believe I just read that. I can't believe the question I just asked, like, or have you, have you had any of that? Not so much. I think I had one, like during one of the football interviews, when I asked somebody, 
something that came off like kind of snarky. And they, I think it was Jack Sanborn. He kind of looked at me and rolled his eyes and said, <laughs> next question. That was kind of embarrassing. Um, my, my bad too. I immediately realized that I came off as a, as kind of a, a jerk. Yeah. <laughs> didn't mean to, it just kind of came out that way. I didn't have my coffee that morning. I can remember, but right. Um, yeah, that was embarrassing. And then there's been some typos that, that I've, I've discovered and I, it's the worst. It just happens. It just happens sometimes. And you look back and you're like, God damn it. Or yeah. somebody will call you out on Twitter for it. And you're just like, yeah, you get mad at them. You're like, God, why do they have to do that? But then, you know, it's like, oh, okay. That kind of helped me out. I got to go back and fix that. Right. But yeah, nothing, nothing major, nothing major, nothing that, uh, you know, my thing is if, as long as I'm not like the guy, uh, ending up in a barstool sports tweet, um, about a press conference gone wrong or something like that. I'm doing okay. Yeah, You're doing all right. Everybody screws up. You know, that's the thing. That's the thing. You know, we're supposed to be perfect and accurate and that's a huge part of the job, but sometimes stuff happens and that's what I've kind of learned, you know, not to just not to be so hard on yourself, you know, you're, you're working hard and, and, and mistakes happen, you know, they happen. And sometimes fans get really upset about it and you just kind of have to brush it off and move on and, Move on to the next one, just like the players do after they, or some of them, most of them do after they, they, they make, say they do and make a mistake. Yeah. They say they do. That's, that's, that's they, the cliche I'll start using. Yeah. Uh, that's what, that's they, what they say they do. But yeah, no, I, you know, there's been some minor ones, but nothing like nothing where, nothing where like a coach is staring me down and like looking at me, like, what the hell did you just ask me? Or, you know, I just had, it happened once with a player and so, and those guys, Sanborn probably doesn't even remember now. No. Like everybody, you think in, in the moment when something like that happens, like you think that those people are going to remember it. They don't No, Nobody you, remembers that stuff. No, when you, to you, that's the thing. You're the only one that's thinking about it. I always have to tell myself, like when I make a mistake and people point it out or someone points it out, I obsess over it for, you know, for a really long time, that other person, doesn't think about it ever again. They move on with their day. <laughs> they never think about it again. And you're like, you're sitting there like, God, I can't believe they think this about me. And they're thinking that about me. And like that insecurity, like they don't, they're not thinking about you. Shut the hell up. No one cares exactly. about you. No one, <laughs> no one cares at all whatsoever. They're, they're thinking about something else at this point. So yes, that is uh that's a, that's a tough thing to get over initially when you first yep. start, but yeah, it's, it's a, uh, it's a tough job to uh, get that through your mind and, and just the way that you have to be. But once you do, it's, it's so much easier to, yeah, to once do the you job and so of, much, yeah, so much easier to get by. Exactly. Um, once you kind of get over that mental hurdle hurdle. All right, uh, Mike, let's transition. Uh, I appreciate learning more about you. Now I know a ton about you. Can't wait to, to learn even more as you continue on the beat, but let's get into uh, our position preview for the day. That is the wide receivers. It's a group that has plenty of bodies. There's a lot of guys there. Uh, there's some experience. Chimray DK obviously has that experience and Keontes Lewis has a little bit of experience, but it's a group that I think despite the loss of Danny Davis, despite the loss of Kendrick Pryor, despite the loss of Jack Dunn <laughs> are going to be better this year. And I think it starts with Chimray DK, who I thought had a great spring, I think. And I've, I've said this a number of times on this podcast, uh, in, in different places, I think he has a chance to be there a true number one receiver, their first since Quintez Cephas in 2019. I think he has that talent, that kind of ability, the way that they got in the ball in spring. I think, I think it's the sky's the limit for him. Yeah, obviously an opportunity he deserves to be their guy after kind of, well, his freshman year, he played quite a bit, you know, with, with Davis and prior out with injuries. And last year, um, you know, he still caught what, like 10, 9, 10, 11 passes, something like that for, I don't know how many yards he had, but um, he was kind of the third guy, you know, behind those two last year when, when they were healthy. And um, I go back to that Michigan game when he made like those two beautiful catches, um, you know, toward the end of the first half, he had that touchdown from Mertz, a uh, nice throw and catch They're, They obviously have a pretty good connection. You saw it um, there in that Michigan game. And then, and then, uh, you know, in spring camp, you saw a bunch of deep throws to DK um, and, and obviously, like you said, you know, he's their, he's their guy, he's their ex most experienced guy. And, and obviously, um, fans have to be encouraged about the possibility of him being, 
like you said, their first true number one threat since, since Cephas. Um, but beyond him, um, there was a lot of talent, a lot of other talented receivers in that room. But, um, you know, we, we kind of have to wait and see how it, how it, that group takes shape a little bit. Um, a lot of inexperience. Um, uh, Allen and Bell, I'll start with them. To um, well, I, did both of them redshirt. I can't remember. Yes, both of them redshirt. Both yep. of them redshirted, um, but they played a little bit toward the end of the season uh, last year. You saw Allen get a couple of uh, grabs against Rutgers. He had a couple of jet sweeps in that game. Showed off his athleticism and and what could potentially make him a, a game changer for the Badgers. And then, but in the bowl game, both of them he had huge catches on third downs to extend scoring drives. Allen had one early on. I think it was the first drive of the game, if memory serves. Yeah. Um, that led a to a touchdown. Corner route. Yeah. A corner route that led to a touchdown a couple plays later. And then Bell had one on the, their final drive of the first half that led to a field goal. Uh, a big third down or second or third down. Went catch. up and got it. Went up and got it. So that, that was really promising to see in the bowl game. Um, and then in spring camp, I thought Bell had an awesome, um, awesome spring. I thought uh, so too. Yeah. He, uh, he had an awesome spring consistently making plays. Um, Allen maybe didn't have the same level, but he had his moments during spring. And he uh, obviously he showed what he could do late last season with his opportunities. Um, we'll see what he does during the spring, but those two guys, you can feel good about, I think, you know, maybe, maybe taking a step this year, um, who will be the number two behind DK. Um, you know, those two are the guys that are kind of battling for that spot. And then you got a couple other guys in the mix. You mentioned Lewis, obviously got some experience. He was on the field for a reason at UCLA. He was doing something right. Um, but obviously he wasn't running many routes um, in a, in a run heavy offense. He, he kind of said something interesting about wanting to come here. Hopeful that he'll have the ball in his hands more. Uh, I don't know. We'll see if that happens. It's an offense that relies on the run once again here. Um, so we'll see, but he looks the part, uh, he's long, he's, he's, he's tall, he's long. Um, he looks the part at receiver. He, he stood out a couple of times during, during the spring. And then Dean Engram, uh, I wasn't sure about the decision to, to move from, from, he was one of their better cornerbacks last year and it was in line to be probably their number one or two this year. Um, and then he, he switched to receiver and then obviously they, they had a plan in bringing those, those transfers in at corner. So they, they kind of replenished that group. Um, but he, he, um, he, he certainly looks like he could, he could be a factor. He had a, he impressed me more than once during the spring. And um, he's, he's a guy, I feel like they can get the ball in a lot of different ways underneath. He can go deep. I noticed a lot of deep. I don't know if you noticed the same thing, but a lot of deep routes down the middle of the field, um, see up the seam or, you know, down the middle of the field. I thought that was interesting development. And he, he was kind of the target there on a couple of those. And I also think he can be a factor running the football. Um, we'll see if, if that's a part of this offense under Engram though. Yeah. I, uh, I, I thought DK had the best spring of all the guys, but I thought Skylar Bell was just maybe just a notch below where he was. It wasn't that yeah. far below, but it was just, just, a, just a little bit. He's got, and he's bigger, right? Like he, he looks bigger than he did last year. I think he has a chance to be that number two guy. I, Marcus Allen was a guy that everyone was expecting to jump up and be the guy next to Chimray DK going into spring because he had such a, a really good um, finish, bowl, yeah. bowl, well, a good finish, and then also a good bowl prep. I mean, we talked to Alvis Witte in bowl prep, and he was really, really excited, and it took a little bit. He finished nice. I mean, Allen finished the spring nice, but it wasn't like a, a complete spring. Like, I thought Skylar Bell put together a complete spring. Marcus Allen, maybe not so much. Keontes Lewis, he has everything that you want. Yeah. He's got the size, he's got the speed. He's more than a willing blocker. We saw that with uh, UCLA last year where he did not yeah. catch a single pass, but still played <laughs> 10 games. So obviously yeah. they like something about him there. I do think that they're going to be able to take some deep shots with him. We saw it in the spring, yep. especially, especially out of the slot, both him and Chimray and, and Skyler to an extent and Deaningham, a lot of shots like coming out of the, out of the slot down the field, challenging yeah. the safeties down the field. Uh, he, he just has it. And, you know, when I went back and looked at all the, you know, after a practice, I would say this guy had an impressive, these guys had impressive days and almost every single day you could have put Dean Ingram in that list. 
Like it was yeah. almost every single day. So I like, you know, I mean that, that top five, I like that top five. You could probably throw, um, uh, stuff uh, Bracy in there somewhere. He just hasn't yeah. been healthy. We know yeah. what he can do in the kick return game. I mean, the first time he touched <laughs> the ball last year, he took it back for a touchdown. Ninety something yards. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I like the top six and then could somebody else filter in because there's so little experience in the group. You wonder if a true freshman might be able to come in and, and, and see the field. Jesse uh, Temple, huge, huge fan of Tommy McIntosh. I think he's got a crush on him largely because he's six, <laughs> five and largely because the dude can just absolutely fly. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to transition right away, but he's a guy that, you know, maybe physically is ready to go. But I, uh, I like the top six that they have. But I really, really like where Chim Ray is, Skylar Bell is, and Keontes Lewis is, and Dean Ingram is. Like, I like, I really like that top four. And I think that that we'll see what happens in fall camp. That top four, really, really good. I, I think has a chance to be really, really good. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I definitely agree. Um, you know, you, everybody was excited last year about all the experience they had coming back. But um, maybe this year's group is overall, I think, is, is better um, with, with these younger guys. Um, but, but like you said, you know, a lot will be decided in fall camp. Who's, you know, I think bell right now, you, you could pencil him in as a number two after spring. Um, but then that, that three, four, five kind of range, Lewis Engram kind of battling for those spots. And you mentioned Bracey. I mean, I, I think he's really intriguing with, with his speed. Um, you know, he could be a guy they could, they could really do some damage with in the slot if he's able to stay on the field. Um, but I also think that, that, um, he's a huge asset for them as a, as a returner, um, a kick returner. we saw that last year, if he can stay healthy, they can have a potentially game changer there uh, in that spot. And then you, another guy, I don't know how much of a factor he'll be, but Hakan Anderson, I don't know if that's how you pronounce his first name. I remember that last practice. I don't know if you remember the same thing, but he was all over the place. He was making like, he made like nine or 10 catches that day. Uh, Obviously they were kind of sitting some of their, their main guys, Hakan kind of a Anderson kind of a smaller guy kid but he was all over the field I'm like if we didn't if we didn't know the roster as well as we did we would have been like who the hell is this guy out here I yeah. mean he he was all over the place that day so I thought that was cool interesting we'll see you know obviously what happens in in the uh in the fall but Tommy McIntosh like you said very intriguing prospect he's got the size um but how how quickly could it translate for him mentally I think that's a big challenge that coaches always talk about with, with freshmen coming in, um, how quickly can they, can they learn the playbook and their responsibilities? Um, I think that will be a huge factor for him. If he can, if he's to make a, an impact in his first year here. A little over under for you regarding Chimray DK. Uh, you, you mentioned the catches. He ended up with 19 catches last year. I think it was like, uh, 272 yards and okay. then, and a touchdown. The one touchdown you mentioned against Michigan over under, eh. 40 and a half catches for DK this year, man, this is a tough question because a lot of it, I mean, obviously a lot of this depends on quarterback play. Yeah. Um, you know, I hate to bring the, that up, <laughs> but it, it has to be brought up. I, mean, I hate to make this, this discussion about him, but a lot of it does depend on how consistent he can be. Um, uh, he had 19 last year and he was number three. Yeah. I'll go over. I'll go. I'll take the over. I'll okay. take the over. I'll, slightly over. Not, I'm not saying 50, 60, uh, you know, maybe like 45. Okay. Uh, I think that's comfortable. Um, but I wouldn't be shocked if it was the under, you know, I'll, yes. I'll go, I'll go, go ahead, over. Sorry. I'll go over, but I, like I said, I wouldn't be completely disappointed um, or shocked. My prediction was wrong. Yeah. So I, I think it could be the over because they don't have a guy at tight end to grow, uh, to, to gobble up. Yeah. That's, that's Hertz, a great right. Point. Jake Ferguson had 46 catches last year. Danny Davis had 32 Kendrick Pryor had 32 and then it was DK at 19. Nobody else had more than eight. And okay. uh, that was, that was Braylon Allen. So yeah. I, I don't think that they have a guy who's like, like Jake Ferguson at this point that yeah, you feel comfortable no. saying that he's going to grab, he's going to grab a bunch of balls. But I mean, you, you look back at what Quintez did in 2019. I also don't think Jim's going to put up those kind of numbers because I don't, it seems unlikely. I mean, uh, Quintez Cephas was was yeah. far and away by far their their best option offensively in the past game. Obviously, Jonathan Taylor quite good in the run game, but um, <laughs> he had 59 catches for 901 yards and seven touchdowns. 
that's 15 over 15 yards to catch. I don't envision that that happening for DK, but I can definitely see him getting to like 45, 45 yeah. catches. I think and, that's comfortable. And maybe like 650 yards, something like that. I think he I I definitely think he can do that. Um he's not on Cephas's level, but like I just I think he's got the ability to just end up being a clear, clear number one target. Now maybe that'll come back and bite me in the butt, but I, I feel like what we've seen from him these first two years, it's he's got that chance. And if he hadn't gotten hurt early in the year, because uh, he was dealing with an ankle injury, we saw it uh, against Notre Dame, people were wondering why certain guys were playing over him and he just wasn't completely healthy. When healthy, if healthy, I think he's got a chance to be to be special this year. We'll see. Though. Yeah. And you saw it too. He 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 uh he was more involved after that that Notre Dame game. I think the Michigan game was, was that the week after that? Or is it two weeks after that? Uh, so it was, uh, I believe a week after a week after. So a week later, he was, he was a little bit more involved and he, he made an impact. Uh, that was his probably, I would say his best game of the year without looking at the stats. Um, just huge catches. As I already mentioned, those he, two huge catches. I think those were really, really encouraging signs that he could really take that next step. Uh, when, when, when Davis and Pryor obviously are gone now, but I think you made a good point though, on the tight ends. I mean, that's, that's a huge factor in, in DK, probably going to be a huge factor in DK's production. Um, they don't have, I mean, I don't even know what that depth chart's going to look like. Cause everybody was injured during pretty much yeah. everybody was injured during spring practice. I think Jalen Franklin was the only one who was out there for every single practice. <laughs> I don't know who, I mean, everybody was injured there. Yeah, it's a tough, it's a, it's a tough position to project and we won't do that today. Uh, we'll be, we'll be coming up with our tight end preview a little bit later, but it, it is a, the wide receiver group, as you mentioned earlier, has a chance to be from top to bottom better than it was last year. We'll see if that ends up with more production, but it, again, it all does yeah, come like back. It all does it. Yes. And it all does come back to, to Graham Mertz. And I think Graham Mertz staying upright. So it comes back to the offensive line being dominant. Mm -hmm. Like there's so much that goes into whether yep. these wide receivers are going to be successful other than just the wide receivers living up to what they need to be. So that's, uh, that's just what it is. And we'll, we'll see how it plays out when they get on the field uh, in about uh, a little over a month uh, with, uh, with fall camp, Mike, I really appreciate your time. I kept you extremely way too long, um, <laughs> but uh, I do, I do appreciate it. And um we will check in uh, at Big Ten Media Day is coming up less than a month now. Thank you very much, man. Yep. Thanks for having me on, Zach. We'll see you in Indy. All right. There he is. Mike Hogan from 24-7 Sports. We'll be back uh, with an episode later this week as we look ahead at the offensive line. Until then, you've been listening to The Camp here on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.